Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Tennis fans, players, coaches, parents, welcome to the First Serve's dedicated junior tennis podcast, The Junior Journey, with Betty Sikolowski and Michael Legazzo. Welcome back to another exciting episode of The Junior Journey, where we talk all things junior tennis. I'm your host, Betty Sikolowski, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Legazzo. Hey, Betty, how's it going? Good, Mike. Good to see you again. Likewise. Looking forward to today's episode. Uh, absolutely. I'm uh, going to go through our, our big intro of our next guest, Michael. Um, firstly, a big thank you to everyone who's reached out after our first two episodes. Your feedback has been fantastic over the coming months. We'll unpack and tackle many of your questions, so hold on to some of those. Uh, today, we have a guest who's been heavily involved in junior tennis development in Australia across a wide variety of roles over 20 years. These include Head State Coach Tennis Queensland, Head Women's Coach at the AIS, Player Development Manager at Tennis Victoria, Coach and Development Manager in Tennis Queensland, and Tennis Development Manager Victoria. Michael, pretty impressive. Yeah, it's it's very impressive, and he's he's covered a whole you know variety of roles, and the input he's going to give us today is going to be fantastic. And I think the thing that probably excites us and interests us a lot is his next role after. Um, he left Tennis Australia, which um, he went outside of tennis and made his way to Badminton Australia, where he was a national performance pathway manager for three years. Um, his role there was to develop and implement Badminton Australia's high performance strategy, plan and pathway to successfully identify, support and develop the progress of high performance talented athletes to podium and world class level. Uh, including the para-athletes on the AIS journey. So that, that's a pretty big role in a completely different sport, uh, whilst it's a racket sport. Um, so I'm really interested to know uh, his learnings and, and the differences he sees between um, another sport and tennis in terms of the junior development. Um, early this year, he returned to, to tennis in coach leadership and development for Tennis Victoria. So it's a very warm welcome to our guest, Ash Norman. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Betty. Thanks for having me. Welcome, Ash. Great to see you. You too. So, Ash, tell us, I guess, firstly about your um, time in tennis at Tennis Australia in, in that wide variety of roles. You know, just tell us a bit about your previous roles at TA. Yeah, thanks, Mike. I've really been fortunate enough to have a really good journey, you know, within the system and through transitioning out of playing and then doing some coaching myself uh, after I was finishing playing. But then majority of my roles have been sort of transitioning into the national system and I started as the assistant state coach up in Tennis Queensland at the time. That was my first role, uh, heavily based regionally, working with regional athletes and coaches and that was one of my first initiations to a lot of state-based coaching, which I really enjoyed and transitioned sort of into that head coach role at the time as well, overseeing player development. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, you know, fortunate enough to then transition to the AIS where I was transitioning athletes from that junior 
to senior levels. So I've just had that really good cross-section working from, you know, with young regional athletes to talent development to high performance to coach development. So I feel like I've just had that real good cross-section experience. But what I've probably enjoyed most is probably all the coaches I've worked with, not just in the system but outside the system and the junior athletes as well, and having that real close connection and relationship with coaches across the board working with young athletes. So just that broad range of experience has just given me a really good understanding of the sport. Uh, and how we've gone about things and, you know, some of the key learnings from that as well. And as you mentioned, um, through my role now, transitioning uh, previously, transitioning out of the sport as well has been really interesting for me. Ash, badminton, I mean, it's a <laughs> it's a sport we don't see on TV very much. We hear about it at the Olympics. It's a, it's a dynamic sport and yeah. it would have been quite an eye-opener for you to go into a sport like badminton that probably doesn't um, associate itself with high-level resources as, as tennis. Mm-hmm. What does excellence look like at a junior level in the badminton structure? Because, you know, you have your singles and it's quite a similar, I'd say, um, you know, they have their singles matches and they've got that one-on-one. Just from an individual level and general programming, what does excellence look like for a junior player and their environment? Yeah, really interesting, but it was uh, an interesting move. For me, it was actually really opening, just in, just real eye-opening in terms of having worked in tennis so long, but then going to work in a sport like that. In fact, I played at high school, funnily enough, and, and um, yeah, the opportunity to be able to go in and help just really develop their whole sort of performance structure right from sort of talent level through to the Olympic podium level. And uh, those roles that I did actually are really common across all sports, actually, uh, that are involved in the AAS and the ASC network. So that my role that I was doing is pretty much across most sports and you just go in and work with the sport in and around developing that for them, just making sure that they've got everything in place to be really successful. And there's real commonalities, like there were consistencies around, you know, tennis to badminton, but just probably on a smaller scale. But at the same time, we're still really looking trying to make sure and I think that's one of the things I think sports are doing really well that probably don't really hear a lot about the sports in that Olympic network that we don't hear a lot about that are extremely successful but one thing I've found they're really good at is they're just really clear and articulate around what that environment looks like and what that structure looks like and I think you have to be with young junior athletes it's so competitive now Mm. with most sports and particularly at that Olympic Games now, they're really looking at a lot of sports outside the the normal sports. They're looking at these new sports around skateboarding and BMX. And so there's a lot of competition for talent out there. So sports have to be really clear about what it looks like from entering the sport, if you're talented and what's the programs and structure, but what does the journey look like if you want to aspire to really achieve that level and that was part of my role to work with badminton the AS on that and make sure that we were really clear uh had to yeah the resources weren't weren't as um so you had to be really clear and really smart about your resources and the way you utilize your resources as well so we had to be um, clever around how we did that some of the programs were sort of cost neutral you know where the athletes contributed um, but at the same time we tried to utilize our funding the best we could but at the same time though it's a good thing too because the athletes really appreciated everything that they were given because it was really minimal. Um, so to provide, first and foremost, just a structure of the sport, I think that's what they appreciated most was just to having a, a real clear structure in place for them. We set up their whole pathway with, you know, the, the categorisation and what it takes to win work that you have to have in place to receive your funding from the AS. So that's one thing the AS and the ASC do really well is they really work with the sports around making sure they have that in place. And it's a real collaborative approach as well, which I really enjoyed. It was very much a, a working together type approach 
to put that together. And, um, you know, there's lots of opportunities there to the AS and AC provide around extra funding for athletes as well, which I was involved in trying to help support the pathway as well. Um, some of the projects I was involved in were, uh, for example, international surfacing. Admin players didn't have an international surface to train on. They were just training on wooden floors. So I was able to be successful at that. Didn't have any data analytics or any system at all. I was successful in getting a grant for them. Uh, or allowing our coaches to travel a lot more to visit athletes and spend time with athletes. So just all these types of things was just really, um, you know, really in some ways really rewarding, particularly a sport that didn't have a lot in place at the time. So I think in the three years, you know, starting from pretty much a clean slate to get it to where it is now. I think there's been some really good things that have been put in place to allow the athletes to at least give them a direction and guidance of what they need to be able to then reach, you know, from that talent level right through to the podium and that Olympic level. That sounds fantastic. What, what I'm interested in a lot, and especially going to a sport like badminton, and as you mentioned, with the, the resources that you did have and you're basically starting from scratch and developing um, the kind of program you had. And I feel in tennis, we're pretty lucky. We There are a lot of opportunities and a lot of assistance, you know, given to good players, um, good juniors that we have, is how, with those, with that lack of resources compared to a lot of the other sports, how did the coaches and players maximise what they had? Um, you know, in a cutthroat sport where I guess it's an Olympic sport and it's every four years and there's a lot of pressure and, and to get extra funding is how do they maximise what they had and did that make a difference in terms of the the attitude and the mindset of the players and, and coaches coming through? One of the things I felt really important, it's probably my learnings from tennis as well a little bit there too, Mike, was the importance of, particularly when you've got a small amount of resources, like you said, there was only a, a head coach and a national coach uh, at the time. And so I had to really work closely with them, but we needed a bit of a bigger network of coaches to help drive the system. We weren't, we couldn't just rely on a couple of national coaches. So one of the things I first looked at were who were our best coaches working with our best young cohort of athletes. So I wanted to engage them back in the system. They had been sort of left to their own devices a little bit. So I wanted to re-engage them back into the program. So I just actually sent up this simpler concept just called Performance Pathways Partner Concept that was about supporting coaches that are working with high-level athletes. And so it was to engage those coaches. And so I had this broader team to be able to work with and because um, they were working with the athletes on a daily basis in in their environments because it was heavily decentralised. It wasn't a centralised system apart from the program that we put right at the the pinnacle part was once they sort of transitioned onto tour, that's when we centralised. But everything else underneath was really about working with our coaches, working with our clubs of athletes out in their own environments. So I think that was one of the first things I think was really important, right, to broaden our coach network, utilise those quality coaches, make them feel part of our team because they were working with the athletes day to day. And I think just that connection and relationship that we created to was really beneficial for the athletes because a lot of what we offered were sort of camp based. Um, so we bring the athletes together as a group and the coaches and we access the AS for that. And the AS were fantastic with that to be able to access their resources. So we bring our cohort of athletes and coaches together just to share, share information, train together, um, access all the sports science and servicing and the SNC support the AS provided. So again, it just provide this more collective approach to development, which we felt was really really helpful. So the athletes could then go back out in their own environments, feel inspired about some of the things that they had learnt. And then that was a way for us to really engage um, our athletes 
particularly because they're based all around the country. We felt that was a really good way to bring them together and help support their development. And, and that itself really um, created, inspired those players too, um, to be able to continue to drive their development. And was also part of the, the, the structure and the network that we'd set up through the whole system um, from you know the talent development program or identifying talent right sort of through the podium level so having that clear structure i think it allowed people just to be able to understand what was in place and then for them to be able to feel like they're contributing towards something as well and part of something bigger as i said like i and we've had discussions about this and and i'm really intrigued by sometimes less is more so just their ability to maximize what they have be appreciative and i think you've always have to have that discussion between entitlement and earning it and i think in a sport such as badminton that you went to i would imagine they're very appreciative and there's a lot of earning you know what you get and sometimes i mean we can get a bit stuck in our sport where i think there's a bit of a sense of entitlement that we are expected to get this or or we're looking for something rather than going out and you know i'm going to do it you know off my own bat and i'm going to earn it and i'm going to make myself successful and i think that you know we've betty and i in in previous episode and and, and conversation we're going to have going further about the competitiveness of of the junior athletes and how you develop competitiveness and i think that's a big part of it so no no yeah you did a great job in answering that and and i guess it's it's how you identify talent as well um in that sport and what i guess another question to follow up on that is what are the qualities say that you would have been looking for to have junior athletes involved in your programs um, that, you know, they could successfully transition, say, to a high level later on. I think Betty made a reference to earlier in Batman too. It, it was really different because you've got, you know, five different disciplines and, in fact, doubles is seen to be at a higher level than singles, funnily enough, which is strange for us coming from a, a, a tennis background. Doubles is actually really um, highly regarded. So you had to sort of look for different skills. Right? So in double, for example, a front court player was different to a back court player. For example, the skill set were different. So you had to sort of target different characteristics and qualities. There were certain qualities within the singles player that were different as well. So, but yeah, with that, it's very much a, a short, sharp, explosive sport, a lot of in and out. Um, obviously, tennis is very very lateral, badminton is a lot overhead. Majority of, of the contact you have is more above your head, whereas in tennis it's obviously more sort of from below shoulders. So that was one of the things that we sort of really had to, to look closely at. And that was part of the reason of setting up a sort of a, a talent detection identification program, so to speak, so we could really start to identify good young athletes around the States. And that's where we just set up a a state-based camp environment. So we really worked with our states to be able to bring our younger cohort of athletes that were coming through in the state together to again, educate and develop them. So that was sort of our our talent ID program, if you like, to try and identify. So we're looking at just those characteristics and skills and qualities around, yeah, athleticism, obviously, competitive skills, you know, they're um, very different sport technically as well. Batman's a very different technical sport. As I said, it's very much above head. Um, in terms of elements of technique, you know, tennis, obviously, you know, you've got to coordinate multiple body parts, whereas in badminton, it's probably a lot what you do from um, from the ground up, but more about short, sharp, you know, the perceptual skills are a lot quicker um, in, in badminton. So, for example, you know, a shuttle moves off the racket about 300, 400 k's an hour. 
off the racket at that highest level. So, and you're closer to the person down the other end. So there's a lot less less time. So it's a very dynamic, explosive sport. So yeah, look for athletes that had those sort of characteristics and qualities. And um, to your point earlier, one of the things I really noticed actually when we did one of our first camps was just the athletes were super respectful. And um, we, you know, from a behavior um, we did not have any issues whatsoever. They were very mild-mannered, very, um, very polite, and very, very respectful, which was, um, which is a great quality and a great characteristics. And they were two. One of the things, um, you know, dealing with badminton too. Well, you know, whether one of the things we want to mention uh, within within this podcast though is, um, they were it was a heavily Asian background, Asian community. The play, the play badminton is, um, uh, in fact, a majority of the athletes that were in our programs were from an Asian background and community. So we really had to, um, you know, understand that too, uh, understand that environment a lot more, and be able to, you know, different different mindset too. You know, they're heavily parents were heavily involved in education and wanting their athletes to have a really good education. So, um, where a sport wasn't probably as highly regarded. So. Well, it's one of the things and challenges you had to sort of navigate and deal with as well as you're developing athletes, you know, through the pathway, identifying talent, but then, you know, making sure that school was a real priority, you know, through that journey as well. Ash, I'm just, um, I'm just still glad that I'm, I'm actually glad that I'm not playing badminton because I feel like my reaction would be too, a little bit too slow these days. <laughs> um, I think it's a lot of interesting points you point out there and, and some of the discussions around that um, general respect in the environment and discipline it's uh it is a highly disciplined culture um i would i would i would say and and i think looking at tennis you know what would you say again we're looking at olympic sports which which i always get fascinated by myself is because there's such a there's so much riding on that whereas a tennis you know event you've got a tournament on every single week generally speaking and you know there's another event coming on and you don't have to wait four years to perform at a, for a grand slam or any sort of event that you're looking for so I think what are the hours like were your athletes at school full time were they distance education on the side like how many of them and and what does it take how many what was the commitment like for them to be at podium level look we really tried to the younger cohort of athletes obviously more they were more based with their states and their coaches so we really tried to work closely with the coaches to make sure they had the right volume in their environment particularly that was that sort of younger cohort um, because we didn't want to bring the, that younger cohort together to, it was difficult to based because a lot of them were based in the state. So what we wanted to really do was really build strong local environments for the athletes to be able to develop. So we really worked with the coaches to be able to develop. That made sure that the, the categorised athletes had the right amount of hours. So we really worked with the coaches to be able to make sure that was in place. But at that really high stand, and that was sort of the last piece of the project, was we created a full-time program in Melbourne where it was full-time hours. So the athletes, once they got to that, you know, probably around about that late high school, finishing high school, they would then transition. The, the objective was to transition more into that full-time um, environment. So in terms of training hours, really relatively similar in some ways to tennis, you know, in terms of the the volume, um, quite quite similar number of hours, particularly at that higher end. But we really tried, I guess, build that. It was more about the quality, uh, you know, quality coaching, not necessarily about massive hours, but just really high level quality coaching. And I might have mentioned before to Mike, that's why we really wanted to work closely with that cohort of coaches. And I provide them with lots of professional development opportunities to develop their skills to help 
develop their athletes. So very similar in some ways in terms of the number of hours, but tried to particularly build it really well. But make sure too that there was that real nice balance, as you know, in tennis is it's a balance of having that good quality on-time court, but what you're also doing in and around that as well. And that's where we developed an individual performance plan. So I developed an online system through the AMS and the AAS to make sure every athlete had a individual performance plan that we could track and monitor with the coaches and the athletes as well, particularly athletes who are based out in their environments as a way for us to really connect with the coach and the athlete to make sure we understood what they were doing, you know, what their priorities are with their development, what their weekly schedule was, what their tournament schedule was, because before we didn't have that in place. So that was one of the things I really noticed at the start. We really needed that so we could really uh, understand what the athletes are doing and then really work with each individual athlete and coach to make sure they had the right volume. But we also had all the technical, tactical, physical um, characteristics that we're looking for too in terms of what they needed to improve. So I think that really helped Betty because without that was sort of, you know, it wasn't as easy. Um, but when I built that system, it was more about initially it was the coach-to-coach relationship, so our national coach working with the DTE coach that then impacts. Yeah, I, I love all that, Ash. It sounds like you really narrowed down a lot of the focus that was probably needed and required within that environment. And I just have one more sort of follow-on question is, how do we do it better in tennis at the moment? Like, I think this, uh, you know, we've done, you know, a lot of people keep relying on Tennis Australia to kind of give them the, the golden answer. And, and it's, it's fantastic as federations are. And we've, we're very fortunate to have a federation that has been quite generous with their funding in the past. As we know, it can't just be it. And how do we, as coaches in our own environments, make sure that our depth keeps increasing across the country how do we keep providing these uh, opportunities without feeling that they have to, um, as we said, Michael, is it the entitlement? I think getting away from that entitlement factor, you know, I won a tournament, I, I should get a wild card next week or, you know, these sorts of off-the-cuff comments we hear at tournaments. How do we how do we get our players to want to earn it more? Um, and is it worth, I guess, tennis athletes going into other environments and watching how other sports train. So I, I know for a fact that other sports do this incredibly well. You know, you do have a lot of soccer players that have gone and, and watched and watched a lot of tennis or gone on the court or been in other environments. You know, you look at Djokovic, he's trained a little bit alongside Ronaldo in the past. Like there's so many of these athletes looking towards other incredible athletes and what they're doing in their day to day. There's so many principles that they can be adapting. I just think tennis probably doesn't seem to seek these other opportunities in other sports. Now, you guys think it's just from my, my conversations in the past and just seeing what people do and how they gain a lot of their information um, around That's a good point, Betty. And I really, I really noticed that myself transitioning back into the broader national sporting network was just so well, more well connected, you know, with other sports and through that network, you got lots of opportunities to be able to connect and collaborate. And I was able to see a lot too around what some of the smaller NSOs were doing, but also some of the larger successful NSOs as well. And one of the things I felt were just really important, I might have referenced this earlier, is just being really clear about what it is that that journey looks like. What does the pathway, what is the strategy, what does the system look like, what does the pathway look like in terms of being able to develop a young athlete from that talent, from that younger period, right through the highest level and what that journey looks like. And I think the sports that I've seen are really successful at that. And it's harder to, through bigger organisations, bigger sports, because of the number of different 
you know stakeholders and um, states and you know, so it, it can be it can be tricky but the sort sports I've seen do it well just are really clear around what that is everyone understands it everyone buys into it um, and then at the same time the athletes the parents the coaches the broader coaching network understand it so I think if anything one thing is to just be really clear about what that looks like and what are the key other elements that we need to be able to make that successful uh, and that's one of the things I think really um, really learnt and one of the things that I think aligned with that Betty what we had to do first and foremost is we had to establish this what it takes to win model so what are the things or characteristics you need to be really successful in your sport and you had to be really clear you, it was it was a project you had to do as part of your funding and uh, so I had to bring our team together and say, well, what does this look like for us? We, you know, we have to establish these characteristics so that we know what we're looking for. And then that then drills down into your the, the categorisation policy that you need to have in place as well to be able to reflect that. So what are the attributes that the athletes and you can then have a clear criteria and benchmark that against that. So I think that itself really helped because that then made it a lot easier to be able to build your environment around um, around that as well. So I think just making sure all of that is in place and it's not easy to do um, because then you've got all your stakeholders, all your coaches that are out, you <clears throat> know, particularly tennis, we've got such a big network of, of coaches out in clubs and facilities. So um, for, you know, to, for coaches that are wanting to be in that space and be in that space, it's just being really clear to them as to what that journey looks like and what they can do to be able to contribute towards that. Love it. Yeah, that's fantastic. What I, what I'm hearing a lot from what you're saying is is there's a lot of accountability. So if you're wanting the extra funding or if you're wanting to be part of a more national program and players and coaches is there's a lot of accountability. Um and I think you know from my experience and I'm sure the both of you in in your you know your times and your, your various different roles is there's probably not enough accountability um, in tennis within ourselves. Um, you know, I know for me, it's been a thing over the years that I, I've looked at it and tried to be more accountable on a lot of different things and, and plan better and, and just hold myself to a higher standard rather than, um, you know, that little bit sense of entitlement that we have as players. And I'm hearing that a lot from what you're telling me and whether that comes through because they do have less resources and they're fighting for that little bit, a uh, little piece of the pie. Um, but I love the fact that, and I think it's something that we, you know, most people, most of the parents listening, most of the players listening and coaches is to be really clear on that pathway and, and what you're doing. And what I particularly loved about what you said there is um, what it takes to win that competitiveness and and how you build that competitiveness in an athlete. And it's, it's not a simple case of going out there each and every day and, and doing your best and putting in 100%, which in reality should be a given anyway when you step out on on the court whether it's a tennis court or it's a badminton court but what what it actually takes to win so i'm actually curious as to um both in your time in badminton and also in tennis what differences you noticed in terms of um that mindset and that that will to win and what it took to win um, from a badminton side and then what you've noticed in the tennis side and what things, you know, you might have learnt in your time in badminton that you could actually, you know, we can learn in, in our tennis environments. 
Yeah, I think one of the things that I really learned, Mike, was around just that ability to be able to, and I think it can be larger and smaller sports can be a lot, a lot different, obviously. You know, smaller sport environment, there's maybe opportunities to be able to do things a lot quicker and a lot easier to be able to get things in place and get things and get things done. Uh, I think my from what I can see, tennis has just grown dramatically over the last number of years. You know, we've got such a we're such a big sport now. And um, you know, through the success of the Australian Open and and I, I think maybe one of the things I've really noticed perhaps when I first started in the system perhaps that journey was a lot simpler. Like we we didn't have probably the resources we have now, and it was the journey was really relatively simple too. And it's probably at the time we were integrated within the AIS and also the State Institute Network. That's when tennis was involved with the broader national um, system as well. So I think um, from what I've seen, we've just grown so much, and our states have grown so much. And but being able, and we've done a lot of really good things as well. Uh, but then it's, I guess, how you then bring that back to keeping it as simple as we possibly can to make sure that it's just really clear to our young athletes. Because as I said earlier, it's so competitive there now that you know, you've got young athletes coming to the sport. If it's too difficult of a journey for them to start in the sport or to know what that journey is, then, and we know in tennis how, you know, the length of journey it takes from a junior, you know, being a talented junior to the highest level, that's a long journey. You know, it's a good, you know, 10, 15 years before we even know perhaps where the athletes are going to make that that level. Um, so what you do in between that is is quite lengthy. And having lived through a lot of years of that, I think one of the things is just being able to make sure that that structure is really succinct and clear and you're making improvements on what you've been doing as well you know so what did you have in place initially what were the key learnings from that take that into that next i guess um, step if you like or next progression of the sport and you know tennis has been able to be in this space in so in terms of talent and development for you know quite a long time now so um, so I think if anything is just making sure that we bring it back to what are the key things that we really want to achieve, what does that look like, and be able to stick to that journey, you know, and be able to really drive it and develop and make little adjustments as you go, tweaks and adjustments as you go, but then, you know, look at what we've done really well and then, you know, make those, um, you know, those next steps. And I think, Mike, you mentioned before, one of the things I really appreciated when I put when I was through my previous role is when I put this together, I had to go through a review process with the AAS and um, they sent me a, a series of deep questions that I had to, to answer about our structure, our high performance structure. And then they come and met with us for a day and we sat together and we just um, presented on it, but it was a real collaborative approach and it really kept me to account and the sport to account too of what we're kind of doing what we were currently doing, what we had in place. And um, and I was really proud of, of that process because we got really good um, feedback from that. In fact, they were taking what we we're doing to then help with other sports as well, you know, just around that whole, but it was a collaborative piece. It was a whole sport um, approach. It was our key network as well. And I think that's why everyone bought into it because everyone contributed to it. It wasn't, say, myself coming in and saying, this is what we're doing. We, we were very consultive 
right across the board with all the athletes in the sport, with coaches, with our states, everyone contributed towards this structure. And then that way we felt too that everyone would buy into it then too because everyone had the opportunity to be able to, um, you know, to contribute. So if anything, coming back into tennis now, I think that's one of the things I just love to see and I really enjoy as part of the, you know, coach leader is just being really clear to the coaches that I'm spending time with around what we do so they understand what we do. And I think if we can be really clear and articulate around that and everyone being on the same page, then I think overall we're then going to, in the end too, be able to develop better young players for the future Yeah, I, I think you're well. spot on, Ash. There's a lot of really good messages in what you're saying and, and what we could really try and implement a little bit in, in our sport you know, I'm a massive advocate. I, I think I make this known everywhere. I, anyone I talk to regarding tennis. I mean, I grew up in a system of state squad, VIS, AIS. You just knew your pathway pretty clearly what you were doing. And you, you, you would strive really hard to want to get recognised to get into those programs because I think the times, and Mike, I remember you were in VIS also at, at one point, um, just the level of education you received from the VIS was incredible. You know, um, career opportunities, you know, public speaking, you know, you had all the, you had all your training sessions, you knew when they were, you had some individual sessions with that state coach leader. Um, it was a, it was a great system. Um, and obviously tennis evolves and changes and there's a lot of positives that we're, we're doing, but I, I do think there's a, like you said, I think there needs to be a little bit more clarity along the pathways. So kids and families actually understand where's my, where is my, you know, my son or daughter tracking Okay, she's at state level. Okay, what does she need to do to get to this point? Okay, what is she going to do to get to this point? Because then your training, it creates a little bit more of a framework around your training and the coach also has a goal with that athlete in terms of where to get to. At the moment, it's sort of like it doesn't also help the coach because they're coaching 300 other kids and their program's not tailored to anything because they're not sure where they're meant to be going from here. Um, so I do think there needs to be more clarity around that. And I did have one, I was quite curious about this because I'm always curious about the, the, co the, sorry, the education around the parents, how much education and involvement was there, I guess, in badminton from the parents, um, as we know, tennis parents, obviously they, they spend a lot of money on, on their, on their kids. They want to be involved and informed, which is absolutely crucial. Uh, I do hear a lot from, from parents that there's not enough, uh, parent education in their opinion. How much of that was happening in, in badminton, Ash? Yeah, good point, Betty. And that was one of the things, again, key learnings from, from being in tennis was we implemented that right from the start. So a key part of the the talent identification detection program was not just for the play development or the coach development, but also for parent education as well. So we made sure that we educated our parents at that level as to what the pathway looks like. This is what the journey looks like. Here's some of the things you need to consider. So starting that education piece right at a younger age is really important, but then it's how you then continue that through the journey as well as athletes sort of transition through your pathway. What does your continued parent education look like? And I think uh, to have a real strategy around that because outside of the coach, parent obviously has a massive role as we know so they just need to be able to be clear about what it is because I think as I mean I'm a parent myself so you know I understand you know my, my kids are starting to play sport as well so you just want that guidance right to know what the direction is if you're you know if your child's showing that aspiration to want to 
to go on and maybe play at a high level one day. You want to try and help support them as much as you can. So I think a real clear strategy around that, Betty, is really important through your whole system, your pathway. You know, you have a strategy around athlete development, around coach development, but around parent education is really important right through the journey. So that way parents too are going to make a lot more informed, better informed decisions, make better judgments in terms of their athletes. And I think if they've got that support, they perhaps don't feel as they may have to intervene as much as well if they've really got that support. So you're spot on to have that as part of the, again, your overall strategy and journey needs to continue right through the pathway. So that way as the athletes get to that really highest level, parents are really then just to play a real supporting role, right? But they've had a real clear understanding of what the journey is and some of the things that they need to be mindful of when they're when their child's developing too because as I said before it's a long journey right from that younger age through that I see what's tough you know as these kids go through school and you know this the stresses of you know those teenage years and trying to manage sport and get through their education they need a really good support network to help get them through that 100% agree with that as well and I think I think education of parents is number one for me, um, just to know what the pathway is. I think there's a lot of misinformation out there as to what it is, and there's a lot of fear of missing out and comparing to others, and they're not necessarily following the journey that's best for them. And, and also coaches. I think us as coaches who want to develop players and work with um, you know, good juniors, we need to also make sure that we're continually developing and have a plan for ourselves in terms of being able to develop these players. I think that's crucial as well. Um, so I think it's a, it's a whole industry thing. It's not so much, well, you know, players need to do this. I think we focus a lot on the players, but it takes a village. There's a lot that goes on over the, the course of the whole journey. I mean, we're, we're a sport that is, I guess, early specialization, late maturation. So we do so much work early to develop the skills, but you don't get the results till later on. And that can be really hard when, you know, parents are investing a lot of money, a lot of time, um, not necessarily getting the results, but we're all developing at different stages. Um, You know, results might not be there early and, and being able to stick the course. And I think it goes back to what you've said and probably the number one point you've made is having that clarity and that plan. Um, and knowing if you're a 10 year old and i want to get to a certain level um you know what's the next 10 years look like what does my journey look like whereas i think a lot are probably and if you are one of those people doing this is you're going almost year to year and and i'll figure it out as we go along the way but then you end up going around in circles you end up wasting more time because what things you should be doing now will come out in you know two three years time and then Things you do in two, three years' time are probably going to come out more, you know, two, three years after that. And then when you go in without a clear plan, I think you set yourself up for trouble. And I think it, it causes you to make decisions that are probably um, impulsive a little bit and sometimes even emotional based on what's happening at that certain point rather than review, okay, what are my learnings? Um, what do I need to implement now to move on? And so I love hearing that from you. Um, a lot of the things I think we need to focus on in terms of the planning and the development and that competitiveness sounds like in, in badminton is is what you've 
implemented and and really focused on and I'd, I'd love to know having come back to tennis or say you're in one of your previous roles in tennis would there be things that you might tweak or do a little bit differently based on your learnings in that sport and things that you know us as coaches or you know parents and players out there that can sort of really hone in on in their program apart you know we spoke about the clarity but are there any other things that possibly you might do differently yeah i think just just again being able to to your point there mike because you make a really good point i mean tennis is very fortunate we've got such a big network of coaches right and it's better out of the sport the amount of coaches we've got working in the industry is huge and also the expertise we've got we've got so much expertise across our whole uh, network and the way to be able to engage that coaching network to be able to help drive development, I believe is is really important. And I guess yeah, one of the things I would, if I was able to control it, it can, you can only control what you can control. But one of the things I would do would be again, and it was one of the things when I was in my talent role in my area, it was one of the things I felt really strongly about is because you always got that question. It was the the same question as where do I start. What's my next step? What's my journey look like? So that was one of the things I felt in my role. I always wanted to be really clear about and made sure that there was a real consistent message from the team I was working with to the coaches that I was having a, a relationship with and, and working and working closely with. Um, but one of the things I think would be really important, Mike, is just to again, if I was able to be able to do it, we'd be able to just make sure that we had all those key components working together um, and being um, all on the same page and all understanding what we're doing. And I think to me, that would be, you know, one of the most important things. And now knowing to having had the opportunity to see what other sports do is to be able to bring that back to such a, a big beast that we've got in tennis to be able to, again, simplify, because as tennis people, we might understand it, but to our broader stakeholders and network, they may not understand it, you know? So I think, again, simplifying the message, what are the key things that we're really looking for and we really want to achieve, and then being able to then just deliver on that, I think is the one of the most important things that, um, that I've learned, you know, being in tennis to then being outside tennis, but then also being, you know, back in, in, in the sport. Ash, it's, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure discussing all these facets of your uh, your journeys and honestly, very it's it's great to have you back in the sport. I'm sure you're going to do a fantastic job really forming great relationships with coaches across the state. Uh, I'm looking forward to what you're able to, to bring uh, to tennis in Victoria and um, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. That's, I really enjoyed it. Thanks for your time and thanks for all the great work that you two do and also all of our coaches out there, our network we've got, we've got, like I've said before, such a passionate, great network of coaches. And if we can engage them more and help us support them, then I'm all for it. The First Serve is your home of tennis at thefirstserve.com.au. Log on to find out all the details of our live radio show, other podcasts, read weekly features by our team of writers and follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok and subscribe to our YouTube channel.